Okay, man. Good to see you guys. Wow. Come on, just smile at me for a second. Just smile. All right, I'm looking. All right, Jeff, smile. Okay, there. Good, good job. Awesome. Uh, man, looking through to North Platte. I can tell if you're smiling or not. You're not smiling big enough. Okay, there you go. And then, uh, man, I'm excited about all of you that are worshiping with us online today as well. Uh, those are the people that are on vacation. How many of you guys wish that you were those people? Vacation people. Okay. Well, maybe your vacation's coming, all right? And theirs is getting ready to wrap up. So we'll see you back here next week. All right. Uh, awesome. Guys, we are in the, uh, the middle now of a new teaching series. We entitled it? Change. Come on, give it up for the people that made these graphics. They're so spring-like. I love it. I love it, man. They just like they make me like just excited, make me happy, man. Happy spring, right? Spring, it's good. So last week we kicked it off and we uh, talked a little bit about prepare to change. Uh, so I don't know if you were here or not, but if you weren't, then please go to mindnewlifechurch.com where you can check out that sermon, right? There was three things that I mentioned very quickly at the end. I just want to go back, reiterate them, because we're going to build on them now for week two. The first thing was in preparing to change, obviously, what are we going to change, right? And to identify what we're going to change, it's not what you think needs to change, it's what God thinks needs to change. So we have to spend time with God listening for his voice. We have to get the identification from the Lord. That will take some dedication, guys. For some of you, you already know what it is. Others of you are like, man, I just don't know what really needs to change in my life. The, the list is too long. Okay, well, great. Then you bring the list to the Lord and you say, God, where do you want me to start? And he'll help you with that, okay? Um, the second thing is something that probably many of you have never contemplated. And I threw it out there. And I'm not trying to be, you know, uh, off the deep end of the pool with this idea, but I, I do know that this thought will help you accomplish the change that God wants to, to do in your life. And that would be this. Close your eyes and visualize. Don't do it now, okay? This would be something you would do later today, not during a nap, <laughs> all right? Strategic time. Oh, I, but I want you to do it. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to visualize into the future. Just paint the picture, you're not being a prophet here. You're just painting the picture. What would my marriage look like if I make this change? Okay, maybe your change is about finances. What would my finances look like if I made this change today? Maybe a change is about a habit in your life. Well, what would relationships be like? Or how would I think about myself if I made this change, right? And so you, you know, how, what, would my, what would my joy look like at work if I made this change today? I, I don't know what area your change is, but if you'll take time to close your eyes and visualize, you know, what, what life will look like once that change is complete, it'll be a motivator for you. One thing I didn't say last week that I want to drive home is this. You know, the last step was, you know, start the change. And I said, start the change and give yourself, like, grace. You're going to fail. But here's what happens. If you fail at your change a couple of times, it acts like an eraser. It starts eroding away at that visual image that you've painted of what your life will look like once this change has happened. And when that image goes away, the motivation goes away to make the change as well. So you're going to have to keep coming back and sitting down with the Lord again and go, God, remind me, what is it that I'm shooting for? Not only is it to honor you, but it's so that on this earth, I live my life and, and, and behave my life. Um, my life sounds more like you. And so you're going to have to keep coming back to those kinds of things over and over again. 
all right? And one of the things that we talked about last week as well was a big change that we're making here at our Carney campus. This is the last Sunday for our East venue. Um, our East venue, the way we've been, you know, worshiping there for the last four years is coming to, uh, coming to an end, and we're going to be consolidating back again for strength, okay? We're, gonna, we're pulling the East and the West venues back together at the Carney campus because we believe that uh, we've got to consolidate to get stronger, we have to consolidate so we can get ready to launch out again. And now, I'm going to give you a picture of kind of what I saw this week. Um, and God just kind of reminded me of it. And it helps me, although I got it, the analogy isn't going to be something all of you like. So let me warn you right now. The analogy deals with a snake. So um, if you don't like snakes, grab the hand of the person next to you really quick and hold on tight, okay? While I just give you the analogy. Hold on as tight as you need to. Many, many years ago, I went rattlesnake hunting in Washington State, okay? And when you, go, when you go hunting, you go out on the road, and it's at dusk, and the snakes will come out onto the road because the road gives off heat, and they're trying to grab that last heat, you know, for the evening. And you would find them. Now, look, they're all stretched out, three feet, four feet, five feet, six feet. <laughs> you got my point? Uh, big, right? And, and you, you know, you would hunt, Okay. Well, when the snake's all stretched out, guess what it can't do? Can't lash out at you. Like, it's, it's virtually harmless unless you decide to play with its mouth, okay? Um, or try to grab it in some capacity. If you just stay your distance and you walk around, it, it really it can't hurt you because it's all stretched out. That's the way we have, as a church have been. We've been stretched, right? And God's been using that stretching to, to grow his kingdom. He's been using it to plant North Platte and you know, all the other things, but when it comes to, vis to having vision for our future, when we're all stretched out, there's little that we can do. So what we're going to do is we're coiling up, we're consolidating, we're coiling up here at the Carnegie campus to get stronger and healthier so that we can strike out again. We are, we're not retreating. We're preparing to strike we believe in our hearts as a leadership that it's time for us to get strong so that we can be ready to tackle the next thing that God has for us. That, all of that brings what? It brings change. So this week, I want to talk to you in our series about following the path of change. So prepare to change, now follow the path of change. One of the things I actually enjoy doing is I like hiking mountains. Uh, I like climbing mountains. And when you start on the path, when you're at the trailhead, you're in the trees. And when you want to hike to the top of this mountain, you just got to find the trailhead and you start down the path. And it's, the path is really easy to follow when you're in the trees. It weaves its way through the trees and it's beaten down. And there's no way you're getting lost unless you close your eyes, right? There's no way you're getting lost and you're, you're not going to miss the path when you're in the trees. But this tricky thing happens when you're hiking and you get above the tree line because you want to hike all the way up to 14,000 feet. And, you know, there's this moment, you know, 11,000, 12,000 feet that, you know, the trees stop and it just becomes rocky. And to follow the path then, you have to follow these cairns, right? And there are these stacks of rocks that other hikers have put up because... The, the trail is way harder to see when you're above the tree line. And so we need these kinds of things to help us. Well, in a similar way in our, in our series today, uh, that's kind of what we need as well. We, if we're going to stay on the path, if we're going to follow the path of change, we kind of need to know, like, what do Karens look like? And what does the path look like? And we've got to dedicate ourselves to it and stick to it. 
I do know this, though. Once you commit to the path, right, if you're going to hike a mountain, once you commit to the path and you read the sign and the trailhead says, this, this trailhead's going to lead you up to Mount Holy Cross or whatever mount you're hiking, and once you commit to the path, if you stay on it and you keep putting one foot in front of the other, you'll eventually reach the top. It's just, it's a given. Now, I got it, though. Some of the steps along the way, <laughs> you're going to want to give up. I've been with grown men who have been hiking up mountains with me right in front of me, and they just stop. And they're like, I don't think I can go any farther. And I look at them lovingly like a pastor would and say, with that attitude, you're not going any farther. Right? So something's going to have to change here. Right? You're either going to sit here and wait for us because we're going to the top and come back down, or you can, you can suck it up, and we're going to take one more step, and one more step, and one more step, and we're going to make it there. And we make it. And it's amazing. And when we get to the top, so many guys will say, I didn't think I could make it. <laughs> and then, you know, without any breath, I, I will say, I didn't think I could make it either. <laughs> but there's these moments where you just don't think you can do it. I got to change like that. It's hard, man. It, it's hard. That's why week one, we have to prepare for it. When I'm going to go hike that top of that mountain, guess what I had to do to prepare for it? I got to go spend money on light gear. I want the lightest most compact gear possible so I can hike up that mountain. I want to succeed. But then week two, right? There's got to be a determination to stay on the path of change no matter what the obstacle is. And in this determination to follow the path of change, you have to go all in at the beginning with a determination, I'm going to make it to the end. I'm going to overcome this change. Like, I will make it to the end, but you're all in at the beginning. You don't even know what the journey is going to hold. And the Bible's full of people that have gone down this same path. It's full of people. In fact, I could preach the rest of the message today on the examples of people who went all in with God for change, not even knowing what the outcome was going to look like. But they went all in at the beginning, going, God, I'm with you. Like Abram in Genesis chapter 12. He says, that the, it says this, that the Lord had said to Abram, leave your native country, leave America, right, for us, leave your relatives, now, for some of you, you're like, well, that's easy. <laughs> Even the ones you like, okay? Leave your relatives and forgive those other ones. And your father's family. He's not talking about, like, more of your relatives. He's referring to even your inheritance. Leave what's, what's normal to you. Leave all of your family and walk away from your inheritance. And watch this. Go to the land that then I will show you. Many of us would never go on that journey because we would wait until God shows us before we're going to give up all of that. That's what we're talking about today, to stay on the path of change. You have to go all in at the beginning, not knowing what the outcome will be. One of the greatest stories about this, though, is found in 2 Kings chapters 22 and 23. And uh, the young man's name is Josiah. He becomes king when he's eight years old. Can you imagine that? You're the king of a nation that he describes it as being so large you can't even count it. At eight years old, being the king. I don't know about you. I've known some eight-year-olds that think they're the king. But this eight-year-old actually became the king, right? And he followed his father. His father was a wicked guy. His father led the Israelites into sin. Um, and after 18 years of reigning as king, he intuitively, watch this, he intuitively makes this decision. 
He says, there's a temple here to worship the one true living God. We're not using it to worship the one true living God. I want to restore the temple back to the way it was. He's never seen it restored. He doesn't know what it looks like. There's nothing, no one's coaching him on this one. It's just something in his spirit. He's going, guys, I think change needs to happen, but I don't even know what it means. I don't even know how it all fits together, but I know that change needs to happen. So I commission you to rebuild and restore the temple to the one true living God. So they start working on it. And while they're working on it, they uncover this old scroll. Now this old scroll is one of the first five books of your Bible. Okay? It's one of the very first ones. We don't know which one it is. The Bible never tells us which one it is. But we know, we know that it's one of the first five. And so it's brought to the king. King, what do you want me to do with this old scroll? He goes, read it to me. It was in the temple. And as, he, as they read the scroll, when they get done reading the scroll, the king, he tears his clothes in despair. He's convicted by the sin of his nation. And he recognizes we are in big, big trouble here, guys. Based on this scroll that came out of the temple to the one true living God, we are not obeying anything on it. Our life doesn't look anything like this. There's serious change. I already knew that there was serious change that needed to happen. I didn't know it was this severe. And once he heard the reading of God's word, man, he took action. His very first thing he took action on was Josiah ordered the priest to go back to that temple and pray to God. And he said, when you pray to God, I want you to ask God, what God should we do with the words that we just heard read from this scroll? His first move, back to God, what do you want me to do because I just heard your word read? Kind of like today, like you're going to hear God's word, and your first question should be this, God, what do you want me to do in light of hearing your word? Okay, that should be your first move. Here's what King Josiah hears back out of 2 Kings 22. It says, tell the king of Judah who sent you to inquire of the Lord this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says concerning the words that you heard. Because your heart was responsive and you humbled yourself, these are two key components that you need to remember for today's message. So the Lord saying back to King Josiah, because your heart was responsive and you humbled yourself before the Lord, when you heard what I have spoken against this people, uh, against this place and its people, that they would that they would become accused and laid waste. And because you tore your robes and you wept in my presence, I've heard you, declares the Lord. Therefore, I will gather you to your fathers and you will be buried in peace. Your eyes will not see all the disaster that I'm going to bring to this people. So the Israelites, they had sinned greatly. God was preparing to bring judgment upon them. Josiah now is sensing the judgment of the Lord. He doesn't know it, though. But as the leader, he's sensing the judgment of the Lord, and he knows something needs to happen. Clean out the temple. The scroll is read. It's confirmed. We are in big trouble here, guys. We're headed in the opposite direction, away from God, what God wants for us. So what does Josiah do once he hears the reading of this? What does he do once he gets the response from his prayer? He immediately began to change the worship in the nation. Josiah, he gathered the leaders together and the people, and he had the scroll reread to them. And when they heard the scroll with their own ears, the first thing he does is he steps up in front of the people and he goes, 
So, you've heard it. You can see what needs to happen. we got to change. I'm going to be the first one to pledge to change. And then he asked the people to do the same thing. And the people pledged to make a change. And then when you look in 2 Kings chapter 23 for 20 verses long, it gives you the detailed description of what King Josiah does as he goes throughout the land, cleaning the land of all of its false gods, its false idols, and its false priests. And he eradicates the land of all these false gods, and he restores the people back to the one true living God for the rest of his leadership. So what can we learn from King Josiah? What can we learn from this young man who's going to teach us such profound things of what it means to stay on and to follow the path of change? There's some incredible things. First off, King Josiah, he teaches us that we have to have a responsive heart. Remember what the Bible says. Remember what it said, right, in 2 Kings 22? Because you have a responsive heart is what the Lord said. We know that Josiah had a responsive heart. It's just like what is a responsive heart? Well, to, to understand it, before Josiah even heard the word of God read, remember what he did. He said the temple's got to be clean. That's a responsive heart, right? But once he heard the word of God read, then he was like, he was solidified. Like, it became stone for him. Yes, I'm on the right track. So what is a responsive heart? A responsive heart hears truth and then takes immediate action for change. That's a responsive heart. Be like today, you hearing truth and then taking action on that truth. That's a responsive heart. A non-responsive heart is someone who hears truth today and then brushes it off. There's something about a responsive heart that King Josiah had that brought a blessing to him that God said, you, my son, will not see the destruction I'm going to bring to the people. Under your leadership, there will be a mighty blessing because of a responsive heart. He heard God's word and he responded to it. But here's more about a responsive heart. A responsive heart follows the whisper of God. God whispers to you. Later on this year, we're gonna do a teaching series, The Whisper of God, just to try to help you understand what does it really mean to hear God's voice? How do I know when I'm hearing God's voice? But a responsive heart, when it hears the whisper of God, it takes action. But here's the, here's the last thing about a responsive heart. It maintains a, sensitive, a sensitivity to the ways of God, to the ways of God. Now, I wish I had a better example for you, but I want to share a story just from my personal life. It's a bit humbling, and it's very transparent, but five years ago, when I took over as the lead pastor, something began to happen inside of me that I never saw coming. In fact, I was totally caught off guard by it, and it surprised me. But I found this insecurity growing in me. And the insecurity was, what was, was about this, five years ago, remember this, okay? Was your opinion of me versus your opinion of the former leadership. And that caused me to be weird in a way. Like as I look back, it was just weird. It, it, it was sick, it was, it was wrong, right? And we all have this ability in us to like get caught in these traps. And my, that trap was just for that day, okay? But it was weird, and I, and I just know this, that God was stirring in me, but I, I wasn't putting two and two together. When I finally let a responsive heart be sensitive to the Lord, and I recognized what was going on by the grace of the Holy Spirit, I repented to God immediately. And after repenting to God, I called a meeting with the former lead, former lead pastor at my house, and I repented to him. 
Not that I had even done anything purposefully to his face, but things that I had done behind, maybe. And I just pulled him in, and I just repented to him. And I just, I remember that moment, right, where I called that special meeting, and it was one of those trembling moments when you recognized, God, this is what you want me to do. I never wanted to be in that position. Just like some of you right now, whatever you're in right now that needs to change, you you didn't want to be in that. I didn't set out with a life goal of like, I will be insecure about what people think of me. That'll be one of my life goals. It was written in my yearbook, right? Like it was not one of my life goals. And that's not who I am today. And I thank the Lord for that. But I got caught in that moment. But guys, listen to me carefully. A responsive heart to God is what pulled me out. And a responsive heart to God will pull you out of where you're at as well. I'm so thankful for that. So let me just make it super clear. Without a responsive heart before God, walking the path of transformational change will never happen. It'll never happen. But I got good news for you, right? You can train a responsive heart. You can take your heart from a heart of being, you know, distant and maybe more cold or just at least distant from God, and you can train that heart to be more responsive to God. Here's how you do it. Start taking action every time you feel conviction or you hear the whisper of God. Just start taking action. As soon as you sense conviction, take action. As soon as you sense the whisper of God, bam, take action. Don't wait on it, right? Because if you keep pushing and pushing off the whisper of God and the conviction of God, it only gets harder and harder to hear his voice. It's not that he stops speaking, it's that you stop hearing. So start taking action every time, every time. Even if it's small, take action. Hey, you need to say sorry to that person. Bam, say sorry to that person. You need to repent before God. Repent before God. Right? You need to change your attitude. Change your attitude. Right? It's just one of those things. Like, bam, just do it right then on the spot. The second thing, though, is pray. So one is obedience to God. The second one is a humbleness to God to ask him for Pray and ask God to give you a responsive heart. That's what David did. And I think there's a lot that we can learn from David's prayer when he was asking the Lord for this responsive heart. Take a look at what he said in Psalms 51, because there's some like five nuggets of truth in this thing. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. Do you see the things in there that are required if we're going to pray and ask the Lord for a responsive heart? Let me show you the ones. Creating me a clean heart. Repentance first. Repentance is the gateway to a responsive heart before God. And then maintaining repentance. We break God's law all the time. We don't repent once. We repent daily. Be in the habit of repentance. You'll stay in in an attitude of a responsive heart. Renew a loyal spirit within me. It's not just that I prefer God, it's that I'm loyal to God. Like I would not die for a preference. I'll change my preference. But I would die for a loyalty. And it's that type of heart that God's looking for, an all in, I'm loyal to you. That's, that will perpetuate a responsive heart. Do not banish me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. There is a dependency of a person that has a responsive heart, a dependency on the Holy Spirit that they recognize on a daily basis, on an hourly basis, on a minute-by-minute basis, I am nothing without you, God. And it's not the Holy Spirit for his power 
to be something great. It's the Holy Spirit for his conviction. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Don't take your conviction from me, God. It's your Holy Spirit that I hear your voice and I can be responsive to you. Then in verse 12, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Let's just be like real, guys. If you have joy in something, you're going to give your whole heart to it. If you don't find joy in something, you're not giving your whole heart to it. So God, may I be joyful in my relationship with you. A joyful person in the relationship with God is going to have a more responsive heart like King Josiah had, which means that we're more likely to follow the path of change in our life and become the very people God wants us to be. But then lastly, he says, and make me willing to obey you. I I love that language. But I've got bad news for you. God's not going to make you do anything. God gives you a free will. You have the free will to choose to follow him or not follow him. But what I love about this language is that's the language of a person with a responsive heart. God, I don't want to miss you. Like whatever it takes, make me willing to obey you. So can a responsive heart be be trained? Yeah, sure it can. It's going to take some determination though. Don't fall off the path. Stay on it. Here's the second thing that King Josiah shows us, though, to follow the path of change, and that's this. You must humble yourself. Something that we've heard a lot of, but it's exactly what King Josiah did. Like, when he heard the reading of God's word, it confirmed in his heart change needed to happen. What's the first thing he does? He rips his clothes. Okay, note, don't rip your clothes today. If you feel like you need to humble yourself, don't stand up and be like, right? Right? It's not going to come off the same way as it did back then. And definitely don't turn and rip someone else's clothes, okay? That's not humble, okay? So don't do that. But in this day and age, that was a sign of, like, despair, but also humility. Like, God, we have broken your law. Like, we have gone so far, and we've just been blazing down this path that we thought was yours, but we've been making the path for ourselves. And that's what pride does. Pride will keep you from, from progressing down the path of change that God designs. It will force you to create your own. And it's always harder to create your own path than to follow on one that's already been made, right? But humility will keep you moving forward on the path of change that God's created. Here's what 1 Peter has to say about it. It says that God, he oppresses the proud, but favors the humble. So humble yourself under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, he'll lift you up in honor. Please, please, get this. To humble yourself is this. Lower you below the mighty power of God. Some of us, honestly, we need to say, I'm not mighty. I'm not, I'm not all, all of that. Like, God, you are mighty. I'm nothing. But we need to humble ourselves even in the authorities that God's put over our life as well. Because if you don't humble yourself under the authorities God's given you, it will corrupt your mind from having a responsive heart. Humility is all important. Humble yourself under the mighty power of God. I am less than so that he can become greater. And if you will do that, then watch. At the right time, as you're walking down the path of change that God has for you, at the right time, he's going to do what? He's going to lift you up. Meaning at the right time, boom, you're going to reach the destination. At the right time, you're going to be on the other end of change. He will help you do that 
but you have to humble yourself. And if you don't humble yourself, you're not going to get there. So here's what humility does. Humility aligns our life with God. It's, it's like spiritual alignment. Have you guys ever had to take your car to get your tires aligned? When you buy new tires, typically they go, hey, you need an alignment. All right, they're not just trying to get extra money out of you normally. It's they're trying to tell you something like, do you want to preserve all the money that you just invested into this vehicle? You spent $1,000 or $800 or $600 or whatever amount of money you spent on your tires. Do you want to get the maximum mileage out of them? Well, if you do, you have to align your tires. So you, you got to get them all going in the same direction and there's these micro changes that need to happen, but when they're all lined up, the car, it wants, to, it wants to roll in the direction that you're going easier, and it causes less damage, and you save more money. So aligning your car is amazing. It saves you a lot of money and hassle, and your car drives better because it doesn't pull to the right or to the left. When you spiritually align your life with humility, it's easier to stay on the path. Because without humility, your life pulls to the right or to the left, and it wants, it wants to go its own direction. And it's not as smooth. Like, it doesn't go down the road the way that God really designed for it to go down the road. So humble yourself. Humble your mind. Lower yourself under the mighty power of God. Let me say it a different way. Dethrone yourself. Dethrone yourself. Change the way your mind sees yourself. Change it. Lower yourself. But another way to humble yourself is through giving. I'm not making this statement because I, I want you to give more money to the church. I'm, I'm making this statement because I, I want you to be on the path of change and I want you to become all God wants you to be. But humility comes through giving. When we sacrificially give to the Lord, it says a lot about the heart, saying that you're greater, I'm less than. I honor you. I bless you. That's what a tithe is. A tithe is, you know, act, an act of worship and an act of humility. It's that, God, you blessed me with all of this. Like, here's your 10%. I bless you with that, Lord. I give that to you. I humble myself and recognize that I would never have the other 90% unless you gave it, you gave the 100% to me. And that's an act of humility, and that will keep you on the path of change. And it also will help you stay with a responsive heart. But there's one last thing, and I got to get to it quick. Don't procrastinate. Like one of the things that King Josiah, he showed us was as, as soon as he heard the word, he immediately took action. He didn't form another committee. Well, should we make that change or should we not make that change? Let's, let's get a few people together and let's take the next few months and really discuss it. No, he's like, change needs to happen. The Lord spoke. Let's do it. Right? He didn't have to read another book. Well, if you can go find another scroll that confirms what that scroll said, then we'll do it. He didn't do that either. He's like, God spoke, it's time to take some serious action, right? Like he didn't look for any other confirmation. When he sensed the change was coming from God, he started out and he took, he took action. And he didn't, he didn't wait for tragedy to come. Many of us, we change because we have to, because we've ran into tragedy. Guys, let's stop changing because we have to, and let's start, let's start changing before we have to. That's, that's true change. True spirit-filled change changes before you have to because that responsive heart hears God's voice. The humble heart says, let's do it. And, and then when we don't procrastinate, we start taking the action and we start watching God's fulfillment happen in our life. So King Josiah, he, he didn't just react though. Like some of us, like when it's time, 
we sense like it's time to make a change and we get this like idea and we add 20 other things to it. Like that, that's not gonna help you win. You know, just because like you need to stop one habit doesn't mean you're gonna need to focus on 20 others all at the same time. Like don't try to be the overachiever. Don't overreact. Just do what God asked you to do. King Josiah in this moment, he didn't change anything else in the governance of his kingdom. Nothing else did he change. He focused solely on the one change that needed to happen. Eradicate false worship, bring in the worship of the one true God. This is not time to change the taxes. It's not time to change the city lines on you know, how big you know, a city's going to be. It's not time to put new rulers in place. It's time just to bring holiness to the nation. And when God speaks to you, just be focused on the one thing. Don't try to overreact and become the overachiever. That's not going to pay off in the long run. Stay focused. But the last thing that he didn't do was he didn't over-rationalize change to a point where he didn't even make the change the way he needed to. I mean, for us many times, we know change needs to happen in our lives, but we over-rationalize it. And we, we dull it down. We dilute the change that needs to happen down to a palatable level that we think is acceptable versus what God said. Don't rationalize away the significance of the change. Don't dilute the changes that need to happen. When you hear from the Lord, go full bore all out and commit yourself to the Lord for that change. So in summary, a responsive heart, a humble heart, and action is required to follow the path of change. You get all three of these things working together and you'll see the change that God wants to bring in your life. But let me give you a couple of maybe starting points. The first one's gonna come out of left field for you. But in August, August 9th and 10th, we're hosting a global leadership summit. Every single person that's hearing my voice right now is a leader in some capacity. You have influence over someone in some way you influence your culture, you influence the world around you in some capacity, okay? One of the great things you could do with me is humble yourself and say, I can learn from other leaders. The Global Leadership Summit, the two-day event, you're gonna learn some incredible things from other leaders. The other thing that I want you to do today is have a responsive heart. So if you sense that this is an action step that the Lord wants you to take, then act now. The third thing I want you to do is don't procrastinate it. Well. Okay, I sense the Lord wants me to do that. I'll do it tomorrow when I'm at my laptop. No, let's actually use the smart part of our phone. And you can use the smart part of your phone and go online right now, so that way you, you're, you're responsive, you're humbling yourself, and you're taking action right now, and sign up for the Global Leadership Summit. Join me, we're hosting it here, and we're hosting it in North Platte as well. A great way for you to learn and become the, the men and women that God wants you to be. Secondly, though, let God's word today lead you and encourage you down the path of change. Just like King Josiah. You know that a change needs to happen in your life. Let today's message inspire you to stay on the path and take some massive steps. Embrace what God's saying to you and run the path. Embrace it. God's word's been laid out. King Josiah heard it. He didn't have to hear it twice. He heard it once. And he took action. You've heard God's word today. Now it's in your hands. What action needs to happen? And let's take an action with steps that lead more towards God today. Why don't you stand with me and let's pray. Lord, this message is yours.
It comes from your word to your people. And I ask you right now that through the power of your Holy Spirit, that, Lord, you would speak to us. You would speak to each of us individually, right where we're at. Lord, you would create in us, like David prayed, create in us a heart that's willing to obey you. Give us a heart that wants to follow you. Give this church a responsive heart to you, that when we hear you, we say yes to you. When we hear you, we move. Give us a humble heart that doesn't think that, you know, we've got it all figured out. Humble us, Lord. Give us a humble heart that we would recognize that we're nothing without you. And unless we follow you in your ways, God, we get ourselves in massive trouble. That we have not created this dynasty of our life by ourselves. We have gotten nowhere by ourselves. But it's only by your grace and your empowerment that we are who we are. God, Lord, help us today not to procrastinate this time of worship away, but let us take bold steps towards you, bold steps towards you today. So, Lord, have your way at this church. Draw us closer to you, and may we become the men and the women that you're creating us to be as we walk this path of change. In Jesus' name, amen.